Welcome to the Jesus Calling Podcast. Today, we speak with John Cooper, who is the lead singer of the band Skillet, one of the 21st century's most successful rock bands, having received two Grammy nominations and 11 million records sold. John talks about some of the joys and struggles of his early years and how Jesus became a friend to him through it all. My name is John Cooper. Uh, I play, well, I sing and play bass for Skillet. I was raised in a Christian family. I gave my life to Christ when I was a kid. I was five. Uh, and uh, my, my story is a little unique in terms that I was raised in a very kind of uh, strict Memphis. I'm from Memphis, Tennessee, so kind of a very strict uh, Bible belt, no rock and roll, no black, no drums uh, kind of environment, which I think you know is maybe a little ironic for doing what I do now, playing hard, hard rock music. I grew up in the 80s, so there was a lot of strange mixture of of cultural things happening at the time. It was kind of a time of, uh, you were just really hearing for the first time, like, you know, you can be anything you want to be, you know, that was a big, um, you know, motto really, if if I think my parents' generation, do anything, be you want to be, don't let anybody tell you who you have to be. But at the same time, there was a very strict kind of, you know, legalist, legalist um, approach to, to living life. And doing what the Bible says and things like that. I think that some of the rub came in to where, when those kind of things collided, that that kind of, you know, be who you are, be yourself. But at the same time, I feel like I'm kind of being told who I have to be for my parents. Music was always a really big fight. My mom was a, a, a piano teacher and a voice teacher. And so I grew up playing classical music and church music. And, and uh, when I first discovered you know, uh, hard rock music. Um, you know, there was this big, big backlash, especially in the eighties, there was a massive backlash against rock and roll. Um, even Christian music. I discovered, uh, there's a Christian band called Petra, uh, that you might know. Petra was a really groundbreaking, uh, Christian rock act. And, and so I, I found out there was Christian rock music and I thought, certainly my parents are going to, uh, they're going to love this. But and they were like, no, that's, you know, wolves in sheep's clothing, you know, they're, they're working for the devil. And so I think growing up, having a real passion for music, being kind of confused about a lot of what I was being taught because it didn't seem to kind of jibe with what I was reading in the Bible, didn't make a lot of sense to me. And it probably caused a lot of, a lot of friction there. Probably my biggest challenge came when my mom got sick with cancer. I was in sixth grade when she was diagnosed and, um, she, kind of battled cancer for about three years. She passed away when I was 14. And um, my dad got remarried and we kind of began World War III at our house. And uh, that that was the hardest time uh, in my life. And when I had to really begin to uh, know Jesus as a friend and and that sort of thing. You know, I I kind of definitely felt that my, my dad didn't really understand me and kind of wanted me to be somebody different than I was. And, uh, and I'm in no way putting all the all the blame on him. You know, it takes two, right? Um, I'm sure I was <laughs> I was a tough one to live with, and of course, I, you know, testosterone teenager and the whole thing. But but you know, my mom was the one that kind of more understood you know who I was and and you know my love for music and people and my personality and and um, you know uh, my dad was very much very much kind of opposite than me in terms of personality and and aspirations and sense of humor and all those kind of things but of course i'm i'm older now you know i'm i'm 
I'm older now than my dad was when you know my mom passed away. So you know I, I think that kind of loss. I, mean, I don't know how I would handle it. I know it's a hard time, and I think that that has also played a role um, in that forgiveness. Is you know understanding, say, hey, you know, we all go through things. We handle stuff, you know, um, poorly sometimes, and and that's just life. We all make mistakes, you know. But there has been uh, incredible, you know, forgiveness in our family. But it, it was hard for me. I think that I just I knew that God was real, and I knew that that mattered to me more than anything. So. That whole scripture about drawing near to God and he'll draw near to you, you know, I really tested that. And and I remember telling God, all right, I've known you as a savior and as my Lord, but, you know, this whole best friend angle, I I need that in my life because I don't feel it from you. Um, I feel like I have no one to talk to and, and I would talk to God about those things. And and he made himself real to me as a friend in, in those situations. You know, I think a big key for forgiveness is just realizing that um, just because you forgive someone doesn't mean that it's going to be awesome the next day. That and, and not to feel down when you're having, you know, you might forgive someone one day and then feel really bitter the next. And it doesn't mean that you didn't actually forgive them. It just meant that it's kind of an ongoing process um, and it can go for years and years. But it's been good because I get to write a lot of songs about hope in, in bad situations and uh, I would say you know a bulk of Skillet fans are people that are Skillet fans because they relate to the lyrics and they relate to the stories you know when you read you read psalms and, and you hear David or, or whoever you know wrote a particular psalm you, you hear them you know telling God how bad things really are you know or, or feeling like I feel like you've left me I feel like you're not with me you deserted me and all my enemies are here that kind of intimacy you know that openness with God sometimes as Christians we're a bit afraid to be that open with God and and there was a sense in, in the, my church life at the time that I couldn't tell somebody how bad it was going because then it made it seem like I wasn't being a good Christian or I had no faith. Uh, there was a little bit of a, hey, just smile, God loves you kind of thing. And and so I write a lot of songs and, and I tell a lot of people that uh, it's okay to feel like that. And uh, it's okay to, to tell God that you're, he already knows you feel that way. It's not, like it's not like you're keeping a secret from him. He, actually, he already knows how you feel. So once you can be honest with him about that, you know, sometimes... You know, it's almost just like in a marriage or a friendship when you talk through your problems. Uh, sometimes it just helps to get it off your chest. So I found in my relationship with God, if I can just tell him how much, how terrible something is and how I feel and I feel alone, I find that he, he he's always with me, but I recognize that he's with me. So I, I tell a lot of our fans, it's okay to have those moments in your life. Becoming a, a Christian doesn't mean that everything's always going to be awesome. You know, like the... Uh, like the Lego movie song, you know, everything is awesome. I don't really think that's what the Bible teaches. Everything is awesome, but it doesn't mean it's not going to be really stinky at certain times. So when you're having these bad times and these hard times, it's wonderful to, 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 to cry out to God and tell him what you're feeling and even to confess to your brothers and sisters and because that's what we're all here for. Uh, and then we need to turn and, and begin to see truth in the word that we are more than a conqueror, that we are not slaves to sin any longer, that we do have a new nature um, and, and that you know we were crucified with Christ. We no longer live, but Christ lives in us. Therefore, live in victory. My daughter... Um, is 14 and she, and she she's a real Jesus lover I mean, ever since she was a kid and um, 
you know, maybe even to, I mean, everybody says that about their kids, and which is lovely. Uh, but most people that, that meet her are like, uh, wow, she's just kind of different. She's always been that way, and her mom is that way, you know, as well. Um, thankfully, she got her mother's kind of depth and, and passion for Christ. So my daughter's hanging out with her aunt, talking to her about the Lord and saying she's going back on the road. This is last year, back on the road. And, you know, I just find this, my relationship with, with Christ is harder on the road because I'm, I'm always around people and I don't get to go to youth group and it's harder on me and I don't know what to do. And it was actually... I got introduced to Jesus Calling from, that was you know, my daughter's aunt, basically, said, you need to get this book, it's going to really help you. And my daughter, um, you know, dilig- I would say religiously, reads it and talks to us about it. So I know most of what I know from my daughter, who has had a real, um, like, this it helps me so much in my, in my walk with God on the road, because I, I feel like uh, it helps me, um, you know, focus. And, and they're small, which is really good, because... Um, you know, she had to sit down for three hours reading theology. She, she reads something small and, and it really um, beckons her to go deeper. The thing I'm probably most pa- always been most passionate about has been taking my music to the mainstream world and playing with rock bands, you know. I mean, I love playing with Christian rock bands too and I love the Christian market, but I've always wanted to, do, to not just do that. I wanted to do both. And... Um, I think that's what we're supposed to be doing, you know, and I, I feel very at home in that kind of rock music world and, and uh, the fans that come, you know, the p- people that come that are so broken. A guy came to me a few weeks ago and said that his, in his marriage, his wife cheated on him and ran off with their kid and um, he went into depression and wanted to kill himself and, and uh, he tried to kill himself and he was committed to, you know, a psych ward and Anyway, ends up hearing our song, It's Not Me, It's You, and that song made him realize that he wasn't crazy, that it really was his wife, and he got he went into rehab, he got off of drugs, got off whatever, and here he is five years later, he has sole custody of his kids, and and he's clean, and, and he was, you know, crying, telling me the story. I just thought, I cannot believe that song did that. But there's a lot of broken people out there, and they need to hear these messages, and they're not going to come to the church to hear them, so we need to go to them. So that's what I'm most excited about. To find out more about Skillet's latest music and where they'll be touring, visit skillet.com. We'll be back with more of the Jesus Calling podcast after this brief message from Audible. As a special offering to you, the listeners of the Jesus Calling podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Find your favorite Sarah Young titles, including Jesus Calling and Jesus Always, in an audiobook version, and get it for free by trying audible.com. Check out a small sample of the Jesus Calling audiobook featured at the end of this podcast. To download an entire free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash Jesus Calling. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash Jesus Calling for your full free audiobook. Now, on to the second half of our show. Next on the Jesus Calling podcast, we'll be sharing a rebroadcast of a previous episode. Tammy Arnold spent her tender years in an abusive household, abandoned by her mother, then by her father as well. Rejection left her searching for love and eventually to numbing the pain with drugs and alcohol. 
At her most desperate, Tammy drew from the tiny spark of faith her grandmother had instilled in her long ago and began her journey back to the one thing that had never abandoned her, God's love. My name is Tammy Arnold, and I graduated from the next store in 2013. I left on May 28th, but my graduation was in July. I'm originally from Tallahassee, Florida. I, I moved around Florida quite a bit when I was young. My mother left when I was just a baby, and my grandmother and my grandfather took me in. When my father graduated from college, he married a, a girl that he met in college, and they came and took me from my grandparents' home. He was trying to live up to his responsibility. But the woman that he married hated me. She hated me um, from the first time she ever met me. She hated me. I spent the next seven years with them. I had a tinfoil on my windows, so I couldn't see outside. Um, I wasn't allowed to, to play outside with the other children. Um, she would beat me on a regular basis. I still have scars on my legs from where she would um, beat me with my dad's belt buckle. That's where my issues with my father come in because I'll never forget one day when he was sitting in his chair watching her do this and I'm screaming, Daddy, help me. Daddy, help me, and he didn't lift a finger to help me. So anyway, uh, when I was 10, my grandmother died. I tried to kill myself at 10 years old. Later that same year, 1978, when I was 10, and my grandmother died on August the 22nd of that year. My father and my stepmother had a child December the 11th of that year. My stepmother didn't want me around her. And by the time I was 12, she gave my father the ultimatum. Um, it was either me or her. We were in a parking lot and they had all my stuff in the trunk. Here I am 12 years old with all my stuff in my father's trunk of his car. <laughs> and my aunt and my uncle pull up. They won't even tell him why, why they called him to the parking lot or to meet us there. So finally, when no one says anything, my aunt says, what is it, what is it? And, and he didn't say anything, he just started crying. And he's holding my little sister at the time. And I'll, I'll never forget this. And finally, I had to speak up and I said, they don't want me anymore and if you don't take me, they're gonna send me to some school or an orphanage. I spent almost a full year there and it was probably one of the best years of my life because um, my aunt let me have some freedoms and I did, I did things that I had only dreamed of doing um, before and I was actually allowed to be a child. My aunt and my uncle had marital issues. They ended up getting a divorce and the next thing you know, I was being sent back to my father's. I just cried and cried and cried and um, a few days after I was back, um, my stepmother got my dad's Winchester 44 out of the closet and was pointing it, she was standing in the hallway pointing it at my head and I turned to look at her and saw the gun pointed at my head and I hit the floor. That was the only time that I remember my dad taking up for me, but he, he did wrestle her to the ground that day. Um, by this time I was turning 13 and I was getting really tired and one day I got a little courage and she swung that belt at me and I, I jumped up on top of my bed and I grabbed the belt. And when I grabbed the belt, it scared her because I've never once fought back ever. And it scared her to the point to where she ran out of my room and she got rope and tied my door to the door handle outside so I couldn't open my door. 
the following day, I went to school and I went to see a guidance counselor and I told them I wasn't going home. Well, they said I had to see somebody about that. And I said, well, it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm not going home. And they said, well, we're not giving you permission not to go home. And I said, I don't need your permission. So I, ne I never went home. Um, they did, however, put me in Great Oaks Village in Orlando, Florida, which was an orphanage. I ran away from there. I was really messed up by this time. I ran away from there, ended up in a Christian um, orphanage in Thomasville, Georgia. Ran away from there. I ended up back in, a, in an orphanage. My dad came and got me. He had a, no, a new girlfriend at the time, and it just wasn't something I was ready for. So I only stayed with him a couple of months, and I took off. And the next thing you know, I was in uh, Northern Virginia. I was still 13, but I was gonna turn 14 that year. Um, I met my, my daughter's father. I was pregnant at 14. I had my daughter at 15. She wasn't three, four months old. I got a job at this um, like late night place as a waitress because her father worked during the day. So I went to this like bar scene to work in the evenings for extra money. And the next thing you know, I was drinking. Um, her father and I fell out. Um, the next thing you know, I was doing drugs. Um, I had to let her father take her. I started going from man to man looking for somebody to love me because I guess I just couldn't accept that when somebody did love me, I, I found it hard to accept that they loved me. And I would try to push them as far as I could push them in the same way that I did my grandmother because my grandmother's love would never break for me and that was the only love I had to compare to anyone. I was struggling. Um, with a severe mental illness, even though I didn't realize I was mentally ill. But um, the things that had happened to me through my childhood, which are the most impressionable years, um, had, had scarred me beyond, um, beyond recognition of a, of a normal person. When I was in my 30s, um, one of the guys I was dating brought um, cocaine home. And mind you, I had, I had already tried crack when I was about 19 but I managed to get myself off of it at 19. When I was in my 30s and tried it again, I did not have the, the same um, luck as far as getting myself off of it. I didn't even try, to be honest with you. I came from uh, Virginia down to Tennessee with this man, and within a year of being in Alcoa, Tennessee, I was so heavy on alcohol and drugs that I hardly ever left the crack house. And this went on for a couple of years. I, um, when I did leave, I would get arrested. I was arrested many times for paraphernalia, but I was never, even though I, I told my probation officer several times um, that I would like to get help, they never once offered me help. Um, you know, of course I was destitute. I had no insurance. I couldn't get help on my own. Tammy's journey was about to reach a sharp crossroads. Though she knew she wanted something different for her life, she found herself powerless to change her situation on her own. In her darkest hour, Tammy turned to the only place she knew to turn and recalled the faith that had been instilled in her long ago. Finally, uh, one day I was sitting in the crack house and I had all kinds of drugs around me, everything that a, an addict would want. But I had, I had really had enough and um, I begged God, I said, uh, Lord, if 
please either save me or let me die. And I prayed that prayer a few times, and I was serious, and I was in tears. And, and the next thing you know, I was being arrested for a felony for selling a, a, a little bit of those drugs to someone. I found out about this place, about the Next Door program while I was in jail. They only gave me a 90-day sentence. They were gonna let me right back out on the street with six years community corrections. And I had to beg them. Mind you, this is the same county that I was in that I was arrested 16 to 20 times for paraphernalia that never once offered me any help. So while I was sitting there on my, on my 90 day sentence awaiting to be released, I started begging them not to release me. Um, I was calling my public defender on a daily basis, please help me get some help. With the help of my attorneys, um, I was able to get permission to come here before my sentence was up so I didn't actually have to go back out. Because I, I felt that if they let me back out on the street, I'd be high within by that evening and I would be doing six years in prison. When I got to the next door, they, they started treating me. I got here on November the 8th of 2012 and I have never looked back. Um, I stayed in therapy here for eight months and during that time, I renewed my relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, I set goals for myself. I learned how to play the tape all the way forward, meaning that I thought of consequences before my actions, which I had never done in my whole life, ever. This was the first thing they ever gave me was my Jesus Calling book. Um, it's dated November the 8th, right inside. And um, this has got me through. As you can see, it's a little worn because I still use it today. My life is, is completely, I, completely different. If you, if you knew me even four years ago and knowing me today, I'm not at all the same person. And, and what's amazing about that is that I was that same person for 40, over 40 years. And in a matter of eight months, they turned me, helped me turn my life around into the person that I should have been 30 years ago, you know? Um, and everything that I wish I would have done many years ago or had the opportunity to do, I'm doing it now. And, you know, the, the Bible verse that says the, the Lord will restore. <laughs> he said it will restore the years the locusts have eaten. And he did. With a new start and fresh possibilities, Tammy views the future from a whole new perspective. With the help of The Next Door and her ongoing spiritual renewal, Tammy has been able to successfully work through mental illness, addiction, and her personal pain. She's a shining example that no matter what you've been through, it's never too late for new beginnings. Since I graduated The Next Door, um, I immediately enrolled in college, and I am now the proud, uh, I'm a proud college graduate. I graduated um, with my Associate of Arts degree from Nashville State. Last year, uh, I graduated summa cum laude. I will be graduating Tennessee State University next fall with my Bachelor's of Science in Social Work. I still have a 4.0 GPA, and uh, I still read my Jesus Calling every day. And the reason I chose Social Work was because I was inspired by the women here at the next door. I want to do for someone else what, what has been done for me. My whole life is, is different now. I feel like I'm on the path um, 
that I was meant to be on and that everything that ever happened to me in my life has brought me to this point because there's going to be someone that God needs me to help. My advice to anyone who's, who's struggling with either mental illness or addiction or abuse or any issue that you feel you need help with, I would go to thenextdoor.org. Um, on that website, you can find their phone number. I recommend The Next Door above anywhere else because it is a faith-based organization. And if there's one person that can help you, it's Jesus Christ, and you will find him here. Thanks to my belief in God that my grandmother instilled in me all those years ago that I never, ever, ever gave up on, even though I may not have lived like it, I knew he was there. I always, always knew he was there. And I think somehow I always knew he was gonna save me because he, he let me know in ways that he thought I was worthy even if no one else did. If you or someone you know is on their own journey to recovery, please download the free Jesus Calling Addiction Recovery Discussion Guide that contains 52 weeks of questions to enhance your personal or group study of Jesus Calling. If you need help to start your recovery, please reach out to The Next Door online at thenextdoor.org or by calling 855-205-4493. That's 855-205-4493. Next time on the Jesus Calling Podcast, we speak with singer-songwriter Ginny Owens and new author Shauna Shanks. Ginny is a Dove Award-winning musician known for her earnest, faith-based approach to pop. At an early age, she suffered from a degenerative eye condition that left her blind by the age of three. Ginny recognizes the challenges being without sight brings, but navigates them with grace, humor, and transparency. Here's a preview of our interview with Ginny. I remember discovering this verse um, that Paul wrote to the Philippians um, from prison, which is super interesting to me because all of Philippians is, or Philippians is very much about joy and um, finding peace and being gentle, and, and he's in prison, and I just think, I would not write that from prison. Um, but he says, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And it goes on to say the verse we all know, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Our featured passage for today's show comes from the November 8th entry of the Jesus Calling audiobook. Learn to appreciate difficult days. Be stimulated by the challenges you encounter along your way. As you journey through rough terrain with me, gain confidence from your knowledge that Together, we can handle anything. This knowledge is comprised of three parts. Your relationship with me, promises in the Bible, and past experiences of coping successfully during hard times. Look back at your life and see how I have helped you through difficult days. If you are tempted to think, yes, but that was then and this is now, remember who I am. Although you and your circumstances may change dramatically, I remain the same throughout time and eternity. This is the basis of your confidence. In my presence, you live and move and have your being. Hear more great stories about the impact Jesus Calling is having all over the world. 
be sure to subscribe to the Jesus Calling podcast on iTunes. We value your reviews and comments so we can reach even more people with the message of Jesus Calling. And if you have your own story to share, we'd love to hear from you. Visit JesusCalling.com to share your story today.